Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 10th. In today's news, Michael Flynn could go to prison as his plea deal appears to fall apart. Joe Biden got rich in the last two years, and a strip club is hosting a golf tournament at President Trump's course in Florida. But first, the big idea. Yesterday underscored just how much of President Trump's agenda is tied up in the courts. A federal judge rejected the administration's attempt to swap out its lawyers for that case related to putting a citizenship question on the 2020 census. U.S. District Judge Jesse Furman, who worked in the George W. Bush administration, denied the formal legal bid to do so by the Justice Department. He said the government provided no reasons, let alone satisfactory reasons, for the last-minute substitution of counsel. He noted that there's a major filing due in three days. Furman said the department can refile its request still if it gives satisfactory reasons and promises that the attorneys who had worked on the case previously, career people who had ethical concerns about moving forward, would still be available upon his request. Meanwhile, in New York, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with a district court's finding that Trump cannot block his critics on Twitter. The decision from the appellate court upholds an earlier ruling that Trump violated the First Amendment when he blocked individual users who were critical of him and his policies. Public officials who take to social media for official government business, the court ruled, are prohibited from excluding people from an otherwise open online dialogue because they expressed views with which the official disagrees. But Trump could win big down south. If oral arguments are any indication, the Fifth Circuit might soon strike down Obamacare. For Trump, that might be like the dog catching up with the truck. Two of the three appellate judges assigned to the case in New Orleans expressed skepticism over whether the 2010 law can stand intact after Congress eliminated the tax penalty for Americans who failed to carry health insurance as part of the GOP tax cuts. The case has momentous stakes for 20 million people who could lose health coverage if the Trump administration gets its way, not to mention all the folks with pre-existing conditions who are looking to get insured. Two judges appointed by Republican presidents grilled lawyers representing Democratic-led states and the U.S. House to explain why the ACA remains valid. The Supreme Court had previously upheld Obamacare as part of a compromise orchestrated by John Roberts on the grounds that it was really a tax bill and not a health care mandate. The Democratic lawyers fighting to preserve the law argued that the Republican Congress tried and failed to repeal Obamacare two years ago, and that by eliminating the penalty in late 2017 as part of broader tax changes, it hadn't touched other parts of the sprawling statute. They also said Congress didn't eliminate the penalty, but simply lowered the amount to zero. But that assertion was challenged by both of the panel's Republican appointees. A two-to-one ruling to strike down Obamacare from the Fifth Circuit would set up a battle royale before the Supreme Court and elevate health care into probably the top issue of the 2020 campaign. Meanwhile, Trump is continuing to remake the judiciary in his image. The Senate last night confirmed Trump's very conservative nominee to the San Francisco-based Ninth Circuit, increasing the number of Republican-appointed judges on what has historically been the court's most liberal appellate court. Daniel Bress received party-line support in a 53-45 vote. Bress's confirmation gives Trump his seventh judge on the Ninth Circuit alone, altering the bench which now has 16 judges nominated by Democratic presidents and 12 by Republicans. The court still has one vacancy that Trump will get to fill. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. 
Number one, federal prosecutors no longer want former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn to testify against his ex-business partner because they doubt his version of events. The move could have major implications for Flynn in D.C. federal court, where he's awaiting sentencing in a case brought by former special counsel Bob Mueller. The judge who will decide Flynn's fate quickly asked the Justice Department to explain how the decision in Virginia impla- impacts the 2017 plea agreement that Flynn reached with Mueller. Flynn had promised full and truthful cooperation with the government in all other cases, and he'd been expected to be the star witness in the trial of Bijan Rafikin, with whom he ran a consulting business. A court filing from Rafikin's attorneys includes an email that Assistant U.S. Attorney James Gillis ended by saying that prosecutors do not necessarily agree with Flynn's characterizations of how he came to make a false filing under the Foreign Agent Registration Act for an influence campaign that benefited the Turkish government. According to that email, Flynn says he did not provide false information to his attorneys at the time, didn't read the FARA filing before signing it, and wasn't aware that it contained false statements. Rafikin's lawyers say they interpreted the Justice Department's email as a euphemism for, quote, we've concluded Flynn is lying. Now, the decision by prosecutors could imperil Flynn's ability to avoid incarceration for lying to the FBI, which he pleaded guilty to, unless he is pardoned by Trump. Flynn's defense attorney, Sidney Powell, said in a statement that her client is still cooperating with the government, but prosecutors say they now consider Flynn a co-conspirator. That's a legal distinction that would allow them to introduce his prior statements at trial. Powell noted that the judge in the Virginia case hasn't ruled yet on whether Flynn qualifies as a co-conspirator. Several weeks ago, Flynn fired the law firm that had been representing him and negotiated the plea deal and most of his cooperation and instead hired Powell, who has been an outspoken conservative critic of the Justice Department. Number two, cashing in Joe Biden, who persists in calling himself middle class Joe on the campaign trail, earned $15.6 million over the past two years. The vast majority of the former vice president's income, which totaled 11 million bucks in 2017 and 4.6 million dollars last year, came from book payments and speaking fees, according to newly released tax returns and financial disclosure forms that are required of federal office seekers and were submitted late last night. All told, the Bidens made five times more in the past two years than the next highest income earner who's running for president, Kamala Harris. She and her husband earned 3.3 million. He's a partner at a big white shoe law firm. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren each took in about $1.7 million in family income. Since leaving office, Biden has benefited from an explosion of wealth. He gave 47 paid speeches, according to these new filings, with fees as high as a quarter of a million bucks a pop. His speaking fees and book payments amounted to $10 million in 2017 and $3.2 million in 2018. Biden was also a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, where he was paid more than 400 g last year alone. Number three, Trump's golf resort in Doral, Florida, is scheduled to host a golf tournament on Saturday put on by a Miami area strip club, which will allow golfers to pay for a dancer to serve as their, quote, caddy girl while they play on what the president has called his favorite course. It's being put on by Shadow Cabaret. Emmanuel Mencuso, the marketing director of the strip club, told my colleague Dave Ferenthal that this is the first time the club has held a tournament at Trump Doral. The Trump name and family crest are displayed prominently in the strip club's advertising materials, which offer golfers the caddy girl of their choice. Mancuso said the strip club did not intend to send a political statement by choosing Trump's resort. Rather, he said the choice was for luxury and because they're getting good service from the Trump folks. 
And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 10th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.